What is up, families? Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there. And you are listening to the Black Men and White Coats podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. Man, I am super excited about today's guest. Very, very excited. This young man's name is James Stewart, soon to be Dr. James Stewart. He is a medical student at Mary Medical College, about to finish, and a very, very, very big congratulations to James. He just matched in general surgery, so when I say matched, that means he just got accepted into the general surgery program at Yale Hospital. That's right. You heard it. He's going Ivy League at Yale. That's a big deal. Some of you all may have seen his recent post on Twitter that went ultra viral. Right, so the Surgeon General retweeted, everybody retweeted this post, and it's got, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of views, I don't know, but it went ultra viral, so that was really cool for James, and also, you guys probably saw the Black Men and White Coats post, the blog that went ultra viral also, with over half a million views on it, James is a guy in that, he's a ball-headed guy, he's a ball-headed guy in that picture, so James went ultra viral twice in a matter of like two or three weeks so kudos to you james tell us how you do it tell us what your secret is for that but so super excited to get into the story with him though he is gonna tell you some amazing stuff and the reason i really love his episode specifically is because he tells you what the journey was like from childhood yeah i'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert spoiler alert one of the things he talks about is when he was a kid when he was two to three years old his mom told him he used to run around the house saying when I grew up, I want to be a doctor. He couldn't say the T, right? So he would say, he would say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. And years later, that's coming to fruition. So parents, be attuned to what your child is saying, even at a very early age. I want to be a doctor. It might mean your child's going to be a doctor one day. All right, so make sure you check that out. Before we get this episode started, I want to make sure you guys check out a new site that I launched, www.involvingparents.com. Really focused on trying to help parents do a good job. Um, you know, learning what the medical field is about. And if you want any detailed services, I can work with you on an individual basis. But we had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful webinar last night. We had a lot of parents join. We had a lot of great questions, a lot of great discussions, dialoguing back and forth uh, via these questions. And it was a great time. We got great feedback on it. And, you know, I was blessed to have the opportunity to really pour into the parents and they brought your kids. So it was great parents and students. We had kids um, in elementary school on there. So it was wonderful. It was a great time just having the opportunity to tell you all more about the field of medicine and how not just to become doctors, but to become leaders. And that is something that you will hear James echo in this episode. He focuses on being a leader, being a leader. And I love that mindset. Being a leader is what it's really about. So I'm going to be quiet and let you guys hear James Stewart. Phenomenal episode. He's going to take you through the journey with him. He's going to tell you about his emotions, his feelings, and how he overcame and ended up going from a person having self-doubts to a general surgeon at one of the world's best institutions. Check it out. Hello, everybody. My name is James William Stewart II, and I am a black man in a white coat. Today, I'm honored to be here to be able to talk to you guys about my journey and give bits and pieces of advice along the way that'll hopefully inspire you to let you know that it is possible, uh, no matter the situation you are in, to be where I am at 
and eventually do better than I am. That is always the goal to give back so that those behind me are able to do what I have done uh, at an exceedingly better uh, level than I am. Uh, so just kind of going all the way back <coughs> to my childhood, I was born in Los Angeles, California, and I lived there for about 10, 10 and a half years. Uh, I am the only child. I have no siblings. I was raised by both my mother and father. My mom is a nutritionist, and now she's changed into the healthcare field, working with accreditation and things of that nature. My dad has always been a pharmaceutical representative. At first, he's worked with Pfizer. Now he's working with AstraZeneca. Both times he's working with cardiovascular medicine. Uh, but I would eventually end up being the first doctor in my family. Uh, my parents were wonderful parents. Uh, my mom used to journal about me, she says, before I was even born. We're a faith-based family. We are all Christian, non-denominational. And prayer and faith is something that uh, has always been important all the way up to this day. And I, I definitely would not be here without uh, my God. And they always tried to expose me to different fields, especially when I was little. But my mom said I had something very interesting that I did when I was a child is that when I was she said about two and a half, three, I, I would run around the house saying I wanted to be a doctor. And and I, I didn't have the T correct at that time, but I would run around the house and tell people I wanted to be a doctor. And eventually I said doctor, but that passion never died. And my parents were saying, that's great, that's great. And they tried to expose me to as much as possible just to make sure that's what I really wanted. But that passion never died. And, you know, I continued as I got older to shadow different physicians. Uh, my neighbor actually happened to be an anesthesiologist when I was in high school. I was in a gifted and talented program. And part of that requirement was to uh, shadow somebody in that field. And I was able to shadow anesthesiologist and I was able to, able to see various surgeries, which are incredibly inspiring. So I, that fire just continued to burn and get bigger and bigger with inside me to let me know that I medicine was the only thing for me. But in my senior year in high school, my goal of what type of physician I wanted to be crystallized. Before then, I always knew that I loved the heart because my dad again was in the in the worked for a pharmaceutical company and he but he bought me a heart model and things of that nature. So that's what I was exposed to. So I loved anatomy and I loved the physiology to what I knew at that moment of the heart. And so I, I knew that I possibly wanted to do something with the heart. But again, in senior year of my high school, when I shot an anesthesiologist who was my neighbor, I remember just vividly seeing a triple bypass surgery. And I, I could just recall them. I was looking over from the anesthesia side and I, I could just recall them opening the chest. And and then when I just remember when I started to see the heart just beating and working and that was the first time I could put what I had as a model in my room and just see it come alive. And just to see the heart beating, the lungs just breathing and that, that there was nothing like that compares. And I just was mesmerized by the surgeons and their focus and their accuracy and how they could just treat a disease. And then the patient would wake up. Uh, and be perfectly fine and better than when they actually came into the hospital. I love the confidence of the surgeon, the the how they can calm a patient um, and how smart they were. And that was something that I always strive to be like. And, and the more I went and met more surgeons and shadowed these doctors, the more I realized that, wow, surgery is something that I may want to do. So 
from a very early age, I'll say I wanted to be a doctor. And then again, in eighth grade, I started to say, wow, I think I actually may want to be a surgeon. And having that goal in mind <clears throat> that I wanted to be a doctor is what drove me. Um, I ended up going to University of Maryland, Baltimore County or UMBC. Our mascot is the Retrievers. We are not University of Maryland uh, with the football and basketball team. UMBC is actually uh, is an honors university that really focuses on academics. We don't have a football team because our president wanted our money to go mainly towards academics. So it was a very, very hard school, very science-based, and I think it definitely prepared me for medical school, which I'll talk about later. So in, in college, I did what most people did. I majored in biology, and I eventually picked up a minor in music. Uh, I played saxophone and piano. I played saxophone since high school uh, and piano since I was about 10, and those are something my parents exposed me to that I'm forever grateful for. I absolutely love it. It's a great stress reliever. Uh, and I believe it actually helped me academically, just knowing how to have that grit and focus to practice something until I get it correct. Um, as I, you know, got into undergrad, we had to take basic things like everybody knows general chemistry or go biology, things of that nature. Uh, but it was definitely not easy transitioning from high school to college. It, it, it takes a lot of self reflection and knowing what works best for you. So, I was that student where I would tutor my friends and I would be answering questions in class and I could talk about the the information for a long period of time. But for some reason, I could not perform on test. Um, I just really struggled with that. And it, it really dropped my confidence, especially because a lot of my friends around me were absolutely brilliant. They could talk about the information and performing a test, but I was lacking in that area. And it was very rough for me just just trying to figure out the area of why I could not perform. So pretty much all through undergrad, um, I did well enough to get into medical school, but just internally and emotionally, it, it brought a lot of turmoil. I could not figure out why I, I could not perform. I, I went to uh, talk to my teachers. I talked to my friends, and eventually, it, it honestly led me to compare myself to a lot of individuals and always look at them and just wonder what are they doing. Let me copy what they're doing. Maybe that'll work. Um, so that was definitely very rough. And eventually, like I'll talk about soon, I, I figured out uh, how to circumvent that actually in medical school. But aside from that. In undergrad, it was a wonderful time. Uh, I learned a lot about myself. I was able to excel at classes enough again to get into medical school. But I think one key thing that separated me and allowed me to get in medical school was not my grades. It was not, uh, you know, how smart I was or anything of that nature. I believe it was that I wanted to make sure that I developed great leadership skills. And the way I, I, I did that, was being involved as early as possible in these organizations and showing that I had a long-term commitment to what I was doing. For example, uh, as soon as I arrived on campus, I remember we lived in a dorm and they had, I think the RAs had put together some board, like a residential board, so people could be the voice for, you know, essentially their dorm. And they had an election like the week after we had moved in and 
I ran for a position and I, I believe I ran for the president of our dorm and I actually won. So it allowed me to get my foot in the door so that I can develop my leadership skills, learn how to work with other people I've never met before, uh, learn how to run an organization and just start to develop those skills. And as I went through an undergrad, I continued to find ways to get involved. Another organization that's very important is the Minority Association of Pre-Medical Students. Uh, I, I asked for ways to get involved and help actually found that organization. And again, I just tried to find as many ways to be involved as possible. And I think that's one of the things that stood out when they looked at my application for medical school is I, I tried to be involved in in and be passionate about what I claimed I wanted to be. I Everybody knew I wanted to be a doctor, but there's another thing to talk something, another thing to walk the walk. So I, I said, I need to dive into this head first. So I found mentors. I was able to get involved in my school in, in multiple ways, just just so that I cared about the field and I did my research. And I think that's what a lot of these admissions officers want to see is that as applicants, you do your research, meaning that you have mentors, you've shadowed, uh, you you you're able to get that exposure to the field, and you volunteer at a hospital, you volunteer at a shelter, you volunteer at a mental health institution, or you create something. Uh, they just want to see that you are passionate about the field that you are talking about, wanting to be a part of. Um, so that's my advice, especially in undergrad. Just get involved. Do not be afraid to get involved. And that doesn't stop at an undergrad. It continues to medical school, residency, et cetera. So be involved. And I think that was one of the things that definitely set me apart. Um, so I actually went into medical school, just moving forward, went into medical school straight from undergrad. Uh, but I actually had plans to delay that. Um, I wanted to take a year off to get my MPH, actually. And... Um, just because I was like, let me boost my grades up. I want to make sure that my application, et cetera. And I explained this to my parents. And I think, again, this were being spiritual, at least for me, had an impact. And my parents continuously praying over my life. Um, my parents were not having it. Uh, they were saying, why do you need to take a year off? You can get an MPH later. You know, we'll pay for it. Don't worry about money. At least try to get into medical school. You'll be fine. Just keep going. We don't want you to lose momentum. And I explained to them, it's fine. I want to be more competitive. I want to get MPH. And they just kept bringing it up. And it something just didn't set right in my mom's spirit. And like I said, both my parents are very spiritual and they're very in tune. So when something doesn't set right, they, they don't let it go. And eventually I listened to them. They paid for everything. Like they said, so don't worry about money. I applied to six or eight schools, I believe. And surprisingly, to my surprise, I got I got a great amount of interviews. I think I was able to get like five or six of eight or something of that nature. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually working out. And uh, what ended up happening is Meharry was one of the first to offer me an interview in Meharry Medical Colleges in Nashville, Tennessee, a historically black college and university and HBCU. And um, I went down there for my interview around, I think, December 10th of 2015. And and I had a great interview. They had a family environment and uh, they responded fast. I felt like that's where I was supposed to be. And again, spiritually, I felt like this is the place I'm supposed to be. And, you know, thank God I got accepted. 
And next thing you know, I canceled the rest of my interviews and I went there. I just felt like that's where I was supposed to be. So I ended up going to Meharry and to this day, I think about it. You know, if it wasn't for my parents, I don't know what my route would have been. My parents felt that I needed to keep going and I ended up where I was supposed to be. You know, I, in my mind, before I might, I was thinking probably I'll end up at some other institution, but I think everything ends up working out uh, the way it's supposed to be. So moving forward, I, I, I end up going to Meharry and I tell you, those first two years, I, I knew that the most important exam was a USMLE step one examination, and that's our board exam. We have multiple board exams, step one, step two, step three, et cetera. But the step one exam is the most important exam that I believe a physician will ever have to take in their entire life uh, because you have to not only pass, but you have to score within a certain range or percentile for whatever specialty you want to do. If you want to be a neurosurgeon, you have to score within a certain percentile to be considered. Um, so I knew that was what I was looking forward to. <clears throat> but then you also, within those two years where you're taking your basic sciences before you get on the clinicals in your third and fourth year, how most the older system is your traditional system. Not all systems are like that anymore, but that's usually how it is. Um, you still have to take internal exams and and push forward with that. So you know, medical school is hard, but it is doable. And I, I want everybody to remember that it is definitely doable with the right support system. So I cannot stress enough to get help when you need it. Uh, it's not supposed to be easy or everybody would be a physician. So I, in those first two years, uh, I was struggling with internal classes and I had the same issue. And medical school has a way of exacerbating your weaknesses. Um, you're in a stressful environment trying to learn information's a lot and everything just gets amplified. So the issue I talked about earlier in undergrad where I would know the information, but I could not reproduce it on test just got amplified. And again, I could, I could talk about this. I could talk about different pathways, tutor people, help people understand it, but I would, you know, not perform and get A's and even sometimes B's on test. And it was a big struggle for me. And I, it took a blow to my confidence again uh, for several reasons. Because I was like, what if I perform like this on my board exam? What if uh, this does not work out um, because I just can't take the test and we have to take tests our whole lives? So it was very rough, but I, I continued to get help. I went to our tutoring syst uh, system we have there. I reached out to mentors who are ahead of me in medical school or residency or in attending. Um, I continued to pray. And I think the one thing that really made the difference is self-reflection. I think a lot of people will kind of passively reflect, but not enough people are actively reflecting on what makes them tick. And I think that makes the difference, uh, whether it be meditation, journaling, going through therapy, uh, or talking out your issues. I think self-reflection is one of the most important things in medicine and in life in general. Uh, you're able you're able to really see what makes you tick. Why do you uh, do you have anxiety when you take tests or why do you respond to people a certain way? How are you when you get stressed? Um, how are your thought process changed when you get stressed? There's so many things you can discover by self-reflection. So I think in the really, you know, dive into that and figure out what, you know, makes me tick. And then I begin to find um 
areas of improvement. So study techniques that I could try differently. Like I don't like to learn by videos. And sometimes people say you have to watch these videos, but that's not necessarily true. I found out that you do what works for you. You don't have to copy what everybody else is doing, especially if you know it's not working. So I started to really listen to myself and and dive into what makes me tick. And I had a uh, revelation when I actually, near the end of my second year, when we were required to take that exam, I talked about the USMLE Step 1 examination. Um, for me, it was do or die. Uh, I had always wanted to be a doctor and I, I knew I wanted to be a surgeon and I had to score at a high percentile to be considered. So there was no option. I, I knew that I had been not the best at test before, but I was like, it's do or die. And, and sometimes having that mentality and realization that you have one time to perform brings something out of you. And I think that's what really drove me. Um, and that's with medicine in general, to be honest, like patients lives are on the line. You do not have time to mess up. Sometimes it is really a one and done. Most of the time it's a one and done. Uh, your thought process about a disease pathology or how you want to treat something can really impact a patient. So a lot of things in medicine are one and done. And it really started to sink in when the board exam date was looming over me. So um, I obviously continued to pray, dive deep, and it clicked that. I loved uh, things that had long-term repetition. So things where you continuously review old material again and again and again. And I found different programs and things that worked. And I eventually, long story short, scored well, um, pretty well enough to to uh, be considered for surgery. And that was a significant weight. And aside from all of that, I think it, I think I was most proud because I was able to self-reflect and produce the results that I didn't think I was possible, but I didn't think was possible. So that was a that was a great experience. Just kind of learning what makes me tick. And on my you know subsequent board exams, I was able to constantly improve on my methodology and and do even better. Um, but again, I think that do or die moment for me really, and and then just reaching out for help and self reflection really helped me do well. And um, fast forward. Uh, recently was our match day. I applied for surgery, general surgery. I plan to do a subspecialty. I'm currently interested in pediatric surgery, but I'm keeping my mind open. But I really do love pediatric surgery. So I have to go a different route. You have to do seven years of general tra surgery training plus another two of fellowship. Um, with that being said, I'm just so humbled and blessed. But I got accepted into my number one program at Yale University to do my surgical training. And I, if you would have asked me before that I think I would be going to an Ivy League and be able to go to Yale for training, I I wouldn't have. I probably said, I don't know. I'm not sure because I didn't believe in myself um, at that point. But um, just having a strong support system, whatever that may be, really makes a difference. Um, again, do not be afraid to ask for help. Uh, but one thing I definitely want to touch on is again one thing that I believe <clears throat> separated me as an applicant um, was the same thing that I did in undergrad is I got involved as much as possible in medical school, whether it be through our student run clinic 
I wanted to be director of. So as soon as I got to school, I applied to be secretary and then eventually became director, whether it be creating something, uh, working with my colleagues to create a mobile health clinic to go help the homeless, uh, or just being involved in a surgery club or volunteering. You have to get involved in the things you say you're passionate about. Do not be afraid to get involved. And I think that's what really set uh, set me apart. And, you know, God willing, everything just it, it worked out. Uh, but the road was not easy at all. I don't want people to think it was easy. It, it was definitely a difficult road. And I'll have more difficult times as I move forward through residency. But my support system and, is, is, and just believing in myself is so key. And I just hope to be an inspiration to people who look at my story that, you know, the level, the playing fields are not always equal. Not everybody has the same upbringing and not everybody's situation is the same, but asking for help, asking for mentorship and letting people pour into you um, is absolutely key. I'm telling you, you will have people who doubt you, uh, tell you that you cannot do something, but other people's perceptions do not have to be your reality. Um, I've even had uh, people in administration, teachers tell me I wouldn't be a surgeon. I've had colleagues not believe in me or, you know, try to put me down. And all that matters is what your close circle thinks about you um, and what you think about yourself. You cannot defeat yourself before the race has started. It's all mental. You have to believe you can do it. And I just hope to, again, to be an inspiration to let you guys know that it is possible for you to do it. It is obtainable, uh, no matter what anybody says, because, again, you will have naysayers, but I'm here to tell you that it is possible for you to do this. And um, I'm always available for help, uh, as all the mentors through this organization are. Uh, we Our goal is to help you get to where we are and, again, do better. And if I know my life... I know I'll measure my life not by what I accomplish necessarily in medicine, but by though the number of people that I impact, the number of people who can say, wow, uh, Dr. Stewart definitely helped me, uh, motivated me to get to this point. He believed in me. Uh, he let me know that it's possible to get to where he is and even do better. Um, if, if I could have, you know, as many people as possible say that, I'll know my job is done. Uh, so just thank you for having me on this podcast. Allow me to talk and inspire you guys. Uh, and again, my name is James Williams Stewart II, and I am a black man in a white coat. Now, James, I know you haven't graduated medical school at the time of this podcast, but you were on the verge. So I'm going to call you Dr. James Stewart. So Dr. Stewart, thank you so very much for joining Black Men in White Coats, for sharing your story, which is an amazing story for being an inspiration and for opening up to the next generation of future leaders and telling them how to do this thing, how to do what you've done. Many of them will become the first physicians in your family, similar to you. So thank you for being that voice. Thank you for, for being an example for them. Now, to my students, my parents, and everybody listening, one of the other key things I want to highlight in Dr. Stewart's message here is the self-reflection self-reflection a lot of people do not do that and i'm so happy that dr stewart said that i'm so happy he did that because that's something that we need to be active about we need to actively think about how are we performing 
how do we feel? How are we perceiving the world? We need to reflect on on the things that we do, the, the things we feel. These things are important. They really, really, really impact our performance. And if we're not aware of these things, something that you all may, might not know is I do some coaching. So I'm actually a certified trained John Maxwell coach, John Maxwell team coach, I should say. So I, I do some coaching. And one of the biggest aspects of coaching is to make yourself more aware of yourself. Is <laughs> to become more aware of yourself. And most people struggle with that because most people are not intentional in the way that they live. So what Dr. Stewart is telling you all is to be intentional about your own success. Be intentional about the way you live. Be intentional about your faith. He talks heavily on faith. And some of you all might think that I only pick people who, who are heavy faith-based people. I don't know what these people's faith are until they get on the show and they start talking about it on their own accord. So, but he spoke heavily on his faith. It, you know, be intentional about the people you're around. He mentioned that the only thoughts that matter are the people who are in your close circle. Be intentional about these things. Raise your awareness of how you function in life. And that will help you perform at a much higher level than you thought capable. And Dr. Stewart's story, which he just told you, is evidence of that. So thank you, Dr. Stewart. Wonderful. I am so honored to have you on this episode and thank you for the heart that you have to help other people and to be the inspiration for the next generation all right family thank you all so very much for listening please make sure you subscribe to this podcast the more people that subscribe the more people that get to hear it share it with your friends if you're a pre-med student share it send it to your pre-med club if you're a parent send it to your colleagues at work post it in facebook groups just help us get the word out because we want to reach as many people as possible and get more black men into the field of medicine uh, because this is a real big game changer. This is a game changer, not in the field of medicine, which it is, but even in terms of society at large, economics of society. A lot of things are in the balance here, and getting more black men into white coats can can really help the nation as a whole, not just the black community, but the nation as a whole. It's good for everybody. Thank you all for listening. I love you guys. Have any questions, reach out to me. Love you.